Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 16th, 2024. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me this year, we got him a blue dress. Caffeine rage and help, I, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> uh, and, and some of it's uh, even caused by the dress. Oh. On today's show, we will be doing the VGL Awards. Uh, possibly all of it, possibly part of it. We don't know. We're going to see how tired we get. Um, and how loopy times- we get. That's right. Timestamps for each of our blocks, um, which are five items at a time, will be in the show notes. Uh, how are you this year, Rage? Flemmy. Flemmy, indeed. Yeah, I have, uh, you- I have some uh, amazing uh, things coming out of my nose of some interesting viscosities. Were you sick last year, or was I sick last year? I, I think feel like you one were sick, sick last year. Yeah. So I guess it's it's your turn now. Oh, don't worry. Your turn is coming. <laughs> Man, I was I was I've already been sick. I might get sick again. Well, well, yeah. you uh, well sure you've had uh, been sick, but have you tried second sickness? I'd rather not. But and, and what about elevensies? Oh, you. Yeah, so the VGL Awards. Uh, anyone who is uninitiated, um, I, we started doing this back in what? I mean, the, the thing says 2020, like it goes back to 2020, but did we do it before that? Or was 2020 the, the first, the, the inaugural VGL Awards? I think Awards? we did uh, one before that. Okay, and we just changed our format up, maybe? I think uh, before that we were uh, clearing the notes and we just didn't make a new tab. Because remember, we did one or two before that, uh, and just would clear the notes. Right, you're right. So yeah, those those are VGL awards are are lost to time unless you want to dig back through the backlog. Oh but, god. Um, <laughs> but no, the so the VGL awards we have a bunch of of categories like any proper award show. Some of them are serious, some of them are silly, and a few of them actually pertain to the video games that we played this year. Um, and we're going to go through. Each of us have got uh, something that we awarded to each of them. The only one that we really have to agree on is the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award. And we might have some ideas about that, but we always have that as a discussion during the show. Otherwise, these are things that... Or we, you know, or we just have a slap fight. Or Yes, or we just have a slap fight. Um, but otherwise, yeah, these are we have made some adjustments over the years, added a few things, taken a couple things away. But we've had these exact... Uh, categories the last two years, three years. Yeah. So I reckon we've settled into it. So yeah, we may uh, toy around with that board swapping out categories at some point, but not this year. Yep. And the way we do it is that one of us will start, and we will alternate back and forth on on who's starting. So it's you know I'll start, and then Rage will go, and then he'll do the first one, the next one, and so on and so forth. We'll go back and forth like that. So, would you like to kick us off, or do you want me to kick us off? Unselfish with the first award because mine feels very selfish. So go for it. Okay. So the the most memorable gaming moment of 2023. This is something that is just to us stick out stuck out to us as being memorable. It can be personal. It can be in the industry. There's no rules. It's just right for whatever we want. Um, and for me, the most memorable thing, something, and the reason that it's the most memorable is because of the games media that I take in, a couple podcasts I listen to, news outlets I read, something that popped up over and over and over again this year was, well, w- one of the positive things that popped up over and over and over again this year was the continued game studio unionization and growth of those unions, um, Ubisoft, Activision, Microsoft, um, you know, these are some large companies that have had eh, mostly positive unionization stories. Of course, the companies themselves are trying to uh, union bust, even though it's illegal, pretty to my knowledge, everywhere that these companies have, you know, buildings. But the the people are, are hard to, to keep down. Uh, Blizzard has also had successful stories. Um, now, there are some companies that have really fought back. Nintendo... Um, has fought back really hard against unionization mm-hmm. this year. But overall, um, we have seen, broadly speaking, not just in the gaming industry, broadly speaking, um, a wider reacceptance, rebirth of unions, at least in American culture. Um, uh, although potentially in other parts of the, the Western world as well. Um, 
and it's good to see. It's good to see. I've had a couple of uh, arguments with my parents about unionization in industries that are not related to the gaming industry, primarily the automotive industry. But oh boy, yeah. But you know, I'm I'm a union boy through and through, so I'm very happy to see game studios and um, even individual groups kind of like sag after for the film industry. There's been talks of of gaming industry unions yeah, well, that are similar to well, that. Well, didn't SAG AFTRA just sign a deal, basically embracing uh, the idea that they that they're supporting essentially AI generated voice actors now? Do Do you mean they support like voted to support voice actors against AI generated voice acting and acting in general? No, 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 now I'm uh, now I'm going to go double check myself because uh, trust but verify, right? Yeah, probably a good idea. Because unless there was a headline that I didn't hear about last, I heard about that SAG after was you know fighting as part uh, of their new union contract to not have AI generated stuff. Uh, SAG after and Replica Studios in uh, landmark agreement for voice actors in AI. This is from a day ago. <laughs> Can Basically, you drop a link? Uh, ooh, how about the BBC, right? Sure. Journalism on the fly. Uh, there. there you go. Enjoy. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm not misremembering this, am I? Nope. I, I mean, this happened you know, a few, few days ago, so I had not heard about this yet. Basically, they're really promising that, yeah, the actors will uh, get to retain ownership of the AI generated from their voice. You know, they, like, double pinky swear. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, even from a legal standpoint, that might be true. But it you run into the, the issue that you run into with so many of the things. It's like individuals don't have the, the, the financial means to pursue cases against people misusing or, or breaking copyright on them, unlike companies do. So even if, and I don't believe that, that they are, but even if a company makes a good faith offer on this, there's no way that an individual could enforce it. And At least uh, not down, every and case. it's down to the union to protect, the, uh, uh, protect their members, but you know, SAG-AFTRA doesn't seem to be interested in that. And, and don't get me wrong, I am firmly pro-union. Uh, West Virginia has kind of an interesting history with unions. Look up Blair Mountain sometime if you uh, want to uh, read about the Cold Wars. It, 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 the fact that my state has turned against unionization and just the working people so much just boggles my fucking mind. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, anyways, that was mine. Pro-unionization stuff happening in the game industry, and I'm going to choose to not be sad about the bad news that I just heard. I'll be sad yeah. about that later. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I would have well, found out anyways. Well, I was very selfish with mine because, uh, you know, getting new hardware is always memorable to me, you know? Yeah. You know, like a couple years ago, got my uh, got the Switch and kind of opened up a new library of games to be able to explore. Because uh, before that, only really had a 3DS, or sorry, a 2DS to explore the Nintendo catalog. So... I got a new piece of hardware for my birthday slash Christmas uh, uh, as a combined gift. And uh, it's not so much exploring a new library, per se, as exploring my current library in a new way. I got a Steam Deck, and I've been toying around with it for a couple of weeks. I haven't done a proper, like, review's not the proper term for what you know, we do whenever we talk about uh, these sort of things, but, you know, uh, full-on thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it, it's a very customizable tinkering toy, you know? And I, my biggest concern with it going in was battery life. Because, you know, that uh, there's only so much uh, horsepower that you can run on a battery before, you know, you know, it, you're requiring basically just running it off of like a battery backpack. And there is quite a bit of stuff that you could uh, toy with, both just game settings, but also settings in the Steam OS itself. 
that can dramatically increase the battery life of uh, this thing. Uh, for example, Baldur's Gate is just... At, I mean, we're going to be talking about Baldur's Gate a lot tonight. Yeah, I think it's just—I think it's a given, right? Yep. And in the coming year, hint, hint, none to point link. Yep. GameCube, we love you. Thank you. Uh, out of the box, I was getting about two hours of uh, uh gameplay with Baldur's Gate, setting and uh, adjusting things, uh, adjusting the frame rate of both the in the game and also through the uh, Steam OS. I've got it up to three and a half, which doesn't sound like a lot, but whenever you th- think about it, yeah, fifty percent increase, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, lighter games. Oh, and mind you, I could just also uh, stream directly from my computer, and then instead of you know two and a half to three hours, I'm looking at nine hours. Right. Right, because the desktop's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh. On lighter things like um, playing like Dead Cells, I'm looking at seven hours of gameplay, which at that point, you know, it's beating out the Switch uh, for a, you know, a better looking experience. Um, I think uh, just going to like desktop mode and uh, streaming like video, it runs uh, seven to eight, maybe nine hours. So I think people that complain about the battery life. Uh, or ones that aren't tinkering with it, but it also, it's not a pick-up-and-play experience. And that, that, that I think, is really the kind of the big Achilles heel of the, of the Steam Deck right now, is that it requires a lot of just setting and getting uh, one particular game working well. But once you have it set up, right, yeah, it's good to go. <coughs> hmm. Uh, I've already cracked it open, swapped out the uh, SSD, because of course I have, right? Of course. And got a, uh, uh, basically a new thumb drive out of it as well, using the old SSD. I will say that it's a lot easier than I thought it would be. Uh, with one exception, every single video that talks about doing this says have a, a thumb drive and a USB-A to USB-C adapter and, you know, uh, to be able to flash the new uh, SSD. No, don't do that. It takes fucking forever for the uh, recovery image to boot. Now, mind you, I may just have a very old and uh, slow uh, thumb drive, but I've tried it on a couple of them. If you have a secondary micro uh, uh, SD card, load the image on that and it's so much faster. (laughs) But to be fair, you know, uh, kind of cheap out storage sometimes, so it may just be the uh, the USB 2.0 uh, thumb drives are just that bad uh, for loading that image. Yeah. But yeah, dramatically changed. Um, I'll give, like, a more in-depth uh, review later on, but it's what I played to what, some War Tales on uh, for, you know, Game Club. Uh, with a little bit of uh, Xbox streaming. And War Tales was a good example of uh, you know, being able to uh, try out streaming as well, because, you know, it's slow enough. Yeah. Uh, I did try streaming Forza. That, that turned into a blurry nightmare very quickly. <laughs> uh, don't do that. Unless you like you're living in the server room. Then you can do that. But yeah, I... I would say the Steam Deck is worthwhile for somebody that's around the house and wanting to play, you know, their PC games. I'm not sure about out on the uh, uh, road because it is—it's a chunky boy. It's right. a very chunky boy. So yeah. All right. Next category, sir. So the next one is biggest uh, surprise of the year. Anything gaming related, and for me, it's the. Essentially, complete collapse and excess of the writing staff from the Escapist. Uh, the Escapist, well, was uh, a uh, gaming uh, website that had some rather enthusiastic uh, writers. Uh, of course, you probably know him from Zero Punctuation, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yep, probably the uh, most well known. But yeah, but yeah, but others. they had a few of their like video series. They uh, at one point uh, they were really big, and then they basically just had yeah, like yeah, people leave over time. Like Jim Stephanie Sterling used to uh, work over there, uh, and yeah, people peeled off over time until it was basically like a website dedicated to turning ad rev ad revenue into a paycheck for Yahtzee, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like that was all the content that they were producing, and they took on a new editor in chief who basically rebuilt the brand and you know, you know, got actual content going again. Well, they got bought out by one of these you know, venture capitalist groups, which this is not the first time that a venture capitalist group uh, shows up in my uh, awards, right? <laughs> yep. And starts making unreasonable requests. You know, you know faster, cheaper uh, videos, but start getting upset that people you know, aren't watching them as much because, you know, they were more focused on you know, putting out high quality content. So, uh, towards uh, the beginning of December, they uh, just canned the uh, uh, editor in chief, and pretty much the entire writing staff left with them. <laughs> just solidarily got up and walked out. Which is a real fucking power move. I approve. I approve of that. It also shows you, you know, uh, uh, the guy knew what he was doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, Yahtzee gave up a uh, a, a series because he didn't ha- own the rights to Zero Punctuation and the title. A series that he'd been running for 16 years? Or something absurd like that? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, they created a, a new channel uh, on YouTube, Second Wind, and have, like, <laughs> bounced back Incredibly quickly because they're uh, the uh, the entire funding that they were their primary funding uh, model was through Patreon, uh, Patreon, and you know uh, doing like bonus exclusive stuff for you know uh, for them. So you know it really works well for uh, YouTube stuff. Yeah, and I mean they had you know they had a baked in audience. They had people that were there for them. They were going to follow them to wherever, you know? I mean, they were one of the main uh, gaming podcasts I listened to because, you know, first of all, knowledgeable, but also funny and British, you know? British. Uh, And and also uh, hearing uh, Yachty just say cunt every so often. (laughs) What? Cute. Cunt is a fun word, but it, it, it only really sticks out if you've uh if you've got a british person to say it well i had a friend that uh, or i used to have a friend that was australian and for her cunt was a comma right but yeah it was just like out of nowhere uh, this entire like collapse and they basically wanted to do, do more like ai generated content on the side and just uh which, yeah. Hey, guess what? Yeah, <laughs> they don't need writers for that. It does look like they're still doing uh, content, but uh, let's put it this way: <laughs> uh, so far this year, there's only been like a handful of stuff, or that doesn't look like it's just been, yeah been uh, regurgitated uh, press releases. So, uh, or at least yeah, at a quick glance. Hmm. Yeah. So, mine um, is something that we talked about on the show, a specific instance, but it kind of was in the back of my mind, and it came up for me um, relatively recently with the H-Bomber guy's video he released, uh, I guess it's about two months ago now, which is plagiarism. Um, in For the purpose of the show, in video games, but generally, or largely speaking, in media... Plagiarism um, plagues a lot of a lot of things, uh, uh, you know, industries and creative works and um, you know academia. And uh, I would be lying if I said I never plagiarized anything while I was working on my 
you know, high or well, while I was in high school and working on my undergrad degree, but there comes a certain point in time where they intentionally plagiarizing something becomes, you know, insanely, you know, unethical and creatively bankrupt. I can see, you know, I think plagiarism is probably bad no matter what, but I can excuse, you know, a teenager who does it a little bit more than I can somebody copying um, a a video game, video game assets or code, or in the case of what the H Bomber Guy video was, if you haven't seen it, it is glorious. Please go watch it. It's like four hours long. It is worth it. It is an an epic uh, adventure and tale that has toppled an extremely large YouTube empire. Um, although he also covers. Uh, angry video game nerd in that video and while the news from what happened there is from a year ago two years ago uh they went through their own string of, of plagiarism as uh i didn't know that one yeah um so cinemassacre you know the 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 nerd as yeah. it was you know he had another company come in like he hired them to start doing work for him oh no and to start helping him produce his videos and this happened in 2020 2021 something like that because he, he'd gotten a little older, he wanted to spend more time with his family and doing other stuff, and so he had had these people come in, and one of the writers on their staff was plagiarizing uh, works, because uh, he does, I think the thing that we probably most know him for is the angry video game nerd, but he does film reviews and criticism and video mm-hmm. game stuff and, you know, some yeah. other kind of general nerd stuff. And so Honestly, I film- like him more for the non-nerd stuff. I've seen than the nerd stuff these days. Yeah. Well, uh, his film reviews, it turns out, were being plagiarized. And one of the writers for this company that he hired was plagiarizing the film reviews and, and, and content. And, you know, he was just reading the script. And when they found out about it, like, they fired the guy. But it caused a huge stink um, a couple of years ago. Um, so. I mean, but, any- <sighs> but anyways. Okay. The in- oh, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm not sure how I feel about him essentially ghost, uh, having got reviews ghostwritten for him because he is a big film guy. So it almost feels like, you know, finding out, yeah, you know, uh, Roger Ebert was having somebody else write his reviews for him, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know when this other company came in. I have not really, but, followed. but you know what I mean. Oh yeah, is absolutely. That, uh, for, yeah, for. For some stuff, you know, I you know, uh, don't give a damn, but whenever you're talking about reviews, what, whenever I think of a, a, of uh, somebody giving a particular review, uh, that is their opinion, that or voice. So, so hearing him say, uh, essentially reading a script for a review that he, you know, <laughs> it honestly sounds like he didn't uh, watch the movie, so... Hmm. It's not his voice, it's whatever company. Yeah. And he's got a much older, this is pointed out in H-Bomber Guy's video, he's got a much older thing that he produced where he said that it would be really weird if he was reading stuff written by other people for reviews especially, because what if his opinions don't agree with with his? But, you know, he's paid them to write the script, and so, like, what you know, what does he do then? He's... But, I mean, essentially, he, he sold out, and, you know... I'll sell out in a heartbeat if someone wants to pay me hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Please, I will. I will sell out. But you know, he sold out, and yeah, the but people also, that he sold you know, out to were doing that, a plagiarism. And that's also you know cashing in you know your uh, goodwill, which yeah, I guess once you get to a certain point, right? Mm-hmm. But so, anyways, the instance that I was thinking of most prevalently was the Elden Ring bleak faith thing from much earlier in the year where these creators were, were caught plagiarizing um, animations and other things that were uh, lifted from uh, Elden Ring's code. I I, I don't remember the fullness of the story right off the top of my head. And it was like uh, somebody going in and looking at keyframes. And the thing is for a game like Elden Ring, those animations are very, like, baked into their player base. Yeah. So, even if it's on a different model, 
It's like, wait a minute, something's familiar here. But, you know, uh, a larger discussion from that, and I'm not here to have this discussion today, but just it, it got me thinking, like, the use of as as AI-generated art and other assets are being added more into games and things, um, how that is going to lead to greater instances of plagiarism as people are not properly credited for the work done that these models are using to build these AI models, I should say. Um, and there's been some other instances too, that I'm just drawing a blink on because it's almost 11 o'clock already, <laughs> but there are some other, some other things that have come up this year. And I am sure, cause if you do, you know, video game plagiarism search, there are articles for every year going back to, you know, the nineties or the eighties even. So it's not like it's a new problem, but it feels more prevalent right now. And so, like, it just sticks out to me. It's also easier to uh, prove. Yeah. So, it, I, I mean, really, what my, my biggest takeaway th- that you, dear listener, should have is if you haven't seen it, go watch H-Bomber Guy's video about plagiarism. It'll blow your fucking mind. All right. The next topic, the It's Still an Early Access Award? This one has gotten harder to do as time goes on because a lot of the games that we oh, would I'll pick be a on, cheeky bastard of mine. Yeah, a lot of the games that we would pick on have released, and you know, even if they were in early access for a long time, a lot of them have come out by now. And I just personally don't keep up with with those early access titles as much anymore. And early access doesn't really mean what it used to mean. Um, so. I, I had a little bit of a hard time with this, but I picked um, Starship Troopers Extermination. And the reason that this is a weird one is that technically, Starship Troopers Extermination has only been in early access since uh, earlier this year, the end of last year. Now, uh, let's see, when did it release in early access? Steam says it released in May 17th of 2023, but I think that it released actually sooner than that, because sometimes, you know, they'll do the weird kind of release date updates when things change on them, mm-hmm. but the reason that I'm pulling this game, because whether or not it's six months or a year, um, this comes from a mod that there has been a, a decent amount of stink over um, whether or not this game actually is or is not based on this mod that has been in ongoing development for, I believe, five or six years from, like, 2017. Um, uh, where's my link? I got, I got my notes. Um, but the, re- the reason that I pulled it is this mod, which has been in development for forever, um, is, is what this game is, is based around. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. It's our game. It's our rules. We're making them up as we go along. Oh, you're going to love my reasoning. <laughs> um, I'm looking for the... Oh, the link doesn't... My link doesn't have the name of the mod. Damn it, I thought I had a link with the name of the mod. And like when, when I saw this, too, I was like, oh, this is weird. I feel like I've seen this before. Um, on an older mod that I had wanted to get into because it seemed really interesting. Oh, well, I'll keep looking. You go ahead. I'll keep looking and I'll... Okay, so I'm being a cheeky little bastard. My, it's still an early access award. It's Kerbal Space Program 2. And just like my colleague here, yes, technically it has been out less than a year. And, you know, in early access. But let's, let's roll back a little bit. It was announced to be a, a full release in 2020. Now, according to my calendar, it, it's no longer 2020. It's not 2021. It's, uh, yeah, 2024. And, yeah, it, it released as a very pale imitation of KSP with pretty much everything missing. So... It's still in early access after, you know, well, four years past the uh, announcement, you know, release, or the initial announced release date. Probably looking more like uh, six, seven, eight years of development at this point. And still early access with, what, one major upgrade, or one major release in the early access roadmap. 
It's going to be a long one, and, and so I'm just you know, cutting this off uh, right now. It's still in early access. It's still in early access. Squad, the squad mod is what I was looking for before. Uh, ironic squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's called the squad mod. Um, there's and Starship Troopers exterminators or extermination, like uh, the people who make that are making that game swear it's not based off of the mod. And then you go digging around in the community and there's people that are like, ah, this is, seems like there's a lot here. It's not like it's just, you know, similar or based on it. I read a couple of lengthy forum posts, people talking about how they could see similarities when they look into the code. Potentially, now that I think about it, another case of plagiarism. (laughs) I don't know. There's no proof for that. This is not an accusation. This is speculative. Uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Allegedly. Oh, the uh, uh, that allegedly uh, does a lot of heavy lifting these days. Yeah. Speaking of heavy lifting, uh, it takes a lot of heavy lifting for those pink slips. Uh, my next one, mm-hmm. the Boulder Dash Award. What you're fed up with from the previous year? And me, it's reading about Embracer cleaning house. I mean, technically, we're kind of uh, both on the same page here. But me, it's particularly Embracer Group. Uh, Embracer Group in 2022 basically bought up a bunch of game studios and IPs and stuff. <clears throat> Banking on a Saudi deal that fell through. So throughout you know, like the last half of 2023, they've been restructuring. Yeah, restructuring the corporate word of you know, firing people and you know, trying to save their ass. Right. Uh, we had on the docket like four or five major studios that shut down because of them. Uh, massive layoffs at several others. It, and when I was looking for a list of uh, <laughs> of it, uh, Embracer Group uh, closed out uh, or yeah did another round of firings, not layoffs. Layoffs are uh, whitewashing of the term firings. Uh, another game studio just a couple days ago. What was what studio was this? Uh, this is Lost Boys Interactive. I'm not familiar with them. No, okay. <clears throat> so mine to cut in and potentially be a part of yeah. any conversation we have. Mine was layoffs. What what I just called layoffs for corporate greed, and certainly Embracer Group is part of that. But Microsoft, Sony, Ubisoft, EA, Activision, Blizzard have all done layoffs at you know at the end of the year or at the end of a quarter just to push push that corporate you know that that line goes up number just a smidgen farther okay so uh lost boys interactive uh it was basically part of their gearbox acquisition yeah and they are basically a support studio for gearbox so tiny tears wonderland and uh diablo 4 a couple of ones that they've worked on a uh, 400-person studio, unknown how much they just got axed, but it's not going to be 400 anymore. Nope. And honestly, this applies to more than just the gaming industry. Lots of companies, lots of industries do this. It just sucks so hard. This this pursuit of infinite growth is, it's a lie. It's all a lie. And if, if well, I don't want to get too much on my fucking soapbox. If we pay CEOs less... And treat people better and with more respect. But we wouldn't have this issue. But that's that's not the case. So unionize. Eat the rich. Build a guillotine in your front lobby. Write the CEO <laughs> name on it. Your face here. Anyways. Uh, I, don't, I don't have anything else to say. Fuck these companies. I'm tired of seeing this. It's Balderdash. Balderdash. All right. Uh, best free-to-play game that we played this year. I don't play very many free-to-play games anymore. A couple. Uh, and the one that I pick will be no surprise to you, since you've seen the list, or anyone else who knows anything about me. And, uh, it is War Thunder. Um, War Thunder has been my kind of stick-with for many years free-to-play game. And this past year, I really got into it a lot more heavily. And I talked about it on the show a couple times, going through 
how surprised and impressed I was at the links that they went to to add realism into the game. And I, yeah, as an aside, I think it's hilarious that they're relatively consistently is a news headline that's <laughs> something along the lines of like top secret documents leaked in War Thunder forums again. And I know that there's stuff that the game gets, you know, gets wrong about its its flight models and its weapons and everything else. But, you know, that that episode where I spent probably 20 minutes talking about the different types of radar modes you could cycle through and how different planes had noticeably different radars and radar modes. I was I was surprised. Um, And on top of that, I enjoy the game. Like anything else, there are people who will lose their goddamn mind over it and take it way too seriously. But as a game that I put um, a lot of time into and occasionally put a little money into for those premium, quote-unquote, benefits, uh, I enjoy it. And I also spend a lot of time playing it with my kid, and that's fun too. So yeah, War Thunder. What about you? Okay. (laughs) So for me... It sounds like a weird one. Vampire Survivors. But that's because it's free to play on mobile. Eh? Eh? I got around it. Yay. Uh, The thing is, I don't play a lot of uh, free-to-play games either, mostly because it feels like they're wasting my time. You know? Yeah. So I tried to avoid them, but Vampire Survivors is a good like pick-up-and-play game uh, occasionally. And it's not very intrusive with you know, what it does to monetize the, the free uh, version. Unfortunately, it also doesn't have the DLC and all the extra stuff that the Steam does. So I did eventually transition over to there, but it got me. Got you hooked. Yeah, pretty much. So no school like the old school to finish mm-hmm. off this block? Yep. What you got? Uh, So once again, I kind of struggled on this one because... I hadn't really played a lot of retro stuff. So I went for a, a remaster of a retro game that, uh, and went with the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Uh, essentially, the golden age of the Bascot platformer. You know, the, I, I'm pretty sure the original Spyro was PlayStation 1. It was. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, just kind of the more like cozy age where, you know, you don't have to worry about all the DLCs, all the patches, all, you know, right? Yep. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're trying to rip you off. Right? Mm-hmm. And Spiral is mostly, you know, a kind of a chill game to just, you know, hang out on. Now, unfortunately, most of uh, my playtime was on an emulator before, you know, I ended up getting the Reignited Trilogy through a Humble bundle, so, you know, I'm basically going to be restarting all over again. But, yeah. It's kind of a two-for-one there, I guess. Yeah. I played Spyro in forever. I'm not a huge 3D platformer guy, as anyone who listens to the show knows. Well, it also helps, yeah, 3D platformer whenever you can glide. Yeah. Alright. Well, I also struggled with the No School Like the Old School Award, because I haven't played any what i think of as retro titles this year um and i haven't played very many even relatively older titles but i threw uh last remnant up here because it is from the late 2000s early 2010s something like that so it's it's over a decade old it's a game that i remember fondly from you know playing then and spoke fondly about when i i talked about it on the show a few weeks ago just a good, uh, classic, quote-unquote classic JRPG. Classic's maybe the wrong word for it, but aside from the combat mechanics, which are really weird, it... I know that this isn't literally true, but for me, in my experience with the games that I have played, I think it was the last traditional, more traditional-style JRPG that I played. Um, because this is in the immediate pre-Final Fantasy thirteen days, and when things really started to go weird with a lot of JRPGs. Um, I know it's not literally true, but from my play experience, this is kind of <laughs> like the the line of demarcation. 
And it was uh, thanks. Uh, uh, the line in the sand uh, with the sign there saying shit gets weird. Yeah. So Yo. it's 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 just good. It, I mean, it's nostalgia. It's good. I am I am getting older and enjoying things from my youth. So last remnant, nothing super duper special to say about it. That might be a little bit disappointing, uh, but you know, sometimes things are just nice and a little bit older. And that's how I felt about the last remnant this year. So that brings us to the end of block one, uh, where there will be a tiny musical stinger. And, uh, I reckon nothing else. Are, are you just good to dive right into block two? I, I think so. And that's okay. probably going to be it for us tonight. Okay. Because at the rate we're going, at least. Yeah. So the first game in, or the, the first category in, in block two is the off the wall game award. The strangest game you've played in the last year. Now I play a lot of strange games and sometimes I pick ones that are just weird. And sometimes I pick ones that are a little bit, uh, fourth wall, uncanny valley E esque. And that's what this is per Aspra. This is a game I played much earlier in the year that has you being an AI in charge of terraforming and developing Mars into a self-sustaining colony. And the base gameplay is just that. It's a, uh, essentially like a city management game that has uh, some extra stuff tacked on top of it for the terraforming process. And there's some actual real science in there, things you can learn. But it's a lot of management and building. Um, But what the game does, using its uh, Ludo narrative, um, telling its story through gameplay, and using your own expectations against you, and not in a way that other mediums can't do, but that I think video games do much better than other types of medium, is it's having you answer these questions of what is an artificial intelligence. And because of the situation or the, the times that we live in, that's a question that we're going to be asking sooner, I think, than people are, are willing to admit. Um, now, the AI, quote-unquote, that we have today is not like this in the in the game. It is a, um, you know, a human-level sapient intelligence that you are playing as you go through the story and are answering these questions, both in the game and for yourself. And it does that in a way that I find to be extremely interesting and compelling. So they, they sneak in this kind of ethical and philosophical dilemma on top of an extremely competent um, city building and management simulator. It is excellent. I love it. Two thumbs up. Okay, for me, Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb is a mixture of a like a town builder slash roguelite. Uh, but the whole premise is that you're building a cult. But it's all these very cutesy little woodland animals that, you know, are dancing around and chanting to the Eldritch God, you know? Mm-hmm. It has a, kind of a nostalgic feeling to me. Not not the whole chanting for Eldritch God. You know, that, that's not, not nostalgic, that's current. Uh, it's kind of that juxtaposition of, like, 90s cartoons. You know, something very cutesy that's just absolutely horrible. Uh, so maybe that's why I'm a little drawn to it as well. But they literally just released an update in the last week or so uh, that adds, you know, uh, mating and, you know, having your uh, <laughs> uh, followers, you know, pop out kids and have nudism uh, rituals and also, you know, sacrifice one of your... your uh, uh, followers to be dinner for everyone, literally as cannibal uh, 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 ritual of cannibalism. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> it is seriously fucked up, but it's also so cute and doing it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, a uh, very off the wall per, per se, right? Very niche. Very very off the wall. All right. So. Uh, from off the wall to bouncing off of it. <laughs> the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award. Very quick, uh, Metal Hellsinger. Which was a real shame because I actually really liked the game early in the year when I tried it out. 
but it's a mixture of a first-person shooter and rhythm game that, or I should say, I guess technically nowadays they call it boomer shooters. You have very fast-paced, a uh, lot of explosions mixed with metal music and a rhythm game, but it's, you know, the whole walking and chewing bubble gum and rubbing your head and patting in uh, your belly, and there's a lot to perfect. Yeah. I just bounced off of it very hard. And it's a goddamn shame because it looks like an amazing game, but it's just not for me. Yeah. Which is fair enough. My, uh, my Hot Rock Award, I think I talked about the show. I honestly can't remember. Because it was, it was a game I got during uh, the sale, and I played it a smidgen, and then, yeah, dropped it like a hot rock because I refunded it. Um, it's called Miner's Metal, which is a train-based uh, combat sort of RPG thing. Um, you're these people, and you're on an alien world, and you are mining resources and there is some kind of shady organization that shows up and starts screwing with your people and killing them and I didn't get any farther than that because it's it's terrible. I like the premise. I like the idea of train-based combat games. But it, this one was just not executed well. It was clunky, the voice acting was bad, it was glitchy. It just was not good. And so I just immediately within like an hour refunded it and was was done with it zero out of ten would not bang zero out of ten would, would, would not, not couple would not couple um okay well from the from dropping it like a hot rock to it being our least favorite game we played of the year least favorite game we played in the year of 2023 uh for me was one that was surprising and that might be a contender for Drop It Like a Hot Rock, but I'm still playing it because of my child. It is Stormworks Build and Rescue. Now, I don't think the game is bad. I think that this game is just not for me. Um, Stormworks Build and Rescue is a game where that there is a, a building component to it, kind of like brick rigs, where that you can um, build custom vehicles and use them to complete missions, um, which are all rescue based and you can build uh, aircraft you can build um, boats you can build helicopters you can build all kinds of stuff it's got steam workshop support so you can download people's designs and use them and on its on its face it seems like a really good idea but from my perspective one it's a little bit clunky and that could be me that could be me like not quite learning it quick enough to really be interested in it but then also I just didn't enjoy it. Um, the idea of of designing, building, whatever, these vehicles and doing rescue missions sounds great. There's some interesting stuff with weather and tornadoes and meteor showers and um, fire and stranded at sea and all kinds of stuff. It seems like it would be really interesting. And I think a lot of people do really enjoy it. It's just for some reason it didn't click with me. And then when I play it with my kid, he just wants to do dumb stuff. <laughs> Which, you know, fair enough. That that's fine. You know, that's fun for 20 minutes. And it's like, okay, I'm bored. I'm tired of crashing planes into each other or seeing what the biggest thing we can find on the Steam Workshop is and jumping off of it to our deaths. But he's nine. That's what he likes to do in games like this. So mm-hmm. more power to him. So yeah, Stormworks. What have you got? Uh, for me, it's Wild Hearts. This is basically EA's answer to Monster Hunter. Yeah. Only uh, if you take out all the fun, make it more clunky, and also make it stutter. So, uh, th- this game was actually a couple years old, and it just came to Game Pass. I think it was over the summer. And, uh, yeah, uh, acting like, you know, a brand new game, right? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying my best not to hack up along still. You're all and, and, right. And uh, Wild Hearts, it's... The, the best way I can explain it is clunky. Every time uh, you, you know, hit you know, whatever monster, which all the monsters are... or are, 
I should say I've only I've only got a couple hours into it. So I never got to experience anything grand. All the ones that I experienced were like slightly bigger than the character. Which one do, you know doesn't really inspire me, right? Right. But also damage numbers for some reason made the game stutter. And this is a known issue for literally everyone. And what's something that happens in a Monster Hunter style game? Damage numbers. Lots of them. Many. Many. Much damage. But what really caused me to bounce off the game, ironically enough, uh, the game started to introduce uh, uh, say Fortnite-like is the wrong way to say it, but essentially placeable traps and elements that you could uh, put in the world to Enhance your hunt. Only it was very clunky with mouse and keyboard. And controller, uh, it wasn't any better. And the way that the uh, game environment worked, uh, I hit like a rock or something in the, uh, on the ground. So the launch pad that they uh, uh, started you off with, instead of you know, sending me straight up to be able to land... On top of the monster, this was, you know, something that was slightly bigger than me, so conceivably, you know, big-ass samurai dude could pull himself up, but eh, right. Instead, it, yeah, like, got stuck like a 45-degree angle and shot me across the arena uh, into the trees. It's like, yeah, yeah, never mind on this game. Uh, I, I I'll just go back to uh, Monster Hunter Rise at this point, right? Right. It, it just felt like they were trying to do too much to capture the Fortnite crowd. Although the idea of eventually building up your camp is interesting, it just felt like there was such a long grind on it that wasn't going to be worthwhile, you know? Yeah. Oh, and also... They completely dropped support with, uh, you know, essentially game, not breaking, but, you know, eviscerating bugs. So, yeah, they pumped out a few few DLCs, and uh, that was that. I remember being interested in this, too. I never played it, though, and I guess now I never will. Okie dokie. You ready to move on? Uh Oh. Either I lost you or you're coughing up lungs again. Uh, I've been tr- I'm muting occasionally. Okay. Yeah. You uh, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, so from uh, ones that we hated to ones that we enjoyed. The Time Sink Award. Uh, so, The Hunter Called the Wild <laughs> shows up again. I don't play it as much as I used to, but it's nice to be able to jump into and uh, you know, adventure, you know? Right. I'm seeing continued support. There's been another, like, two or three maps since the uh, last VGL Awards. A uh, new Doggo. So there is that. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, a very relaxing game. Uh, whatever. I don't want to feel like I have to play something for a long time, you know? Right. Uh, but if I want to play something for a long time, it's also there, right? Yeah. Hunter and Call of the Wild is good. We played it. I mean, you have played historically more than I have, and you've played more, you know, uh, without me. But it has been a game that we have enjoyed a lot together. So, always happy to see it on the list. And what about you? Right, my game. Uh, this one was a little bit weird for me to pick. Um, not because it's well, it's kind of a weird game, especially when you load it up with mods. But I, there are several games that could have gone here, and this was kind of the leftover one. Which I don't want to disparage Stardew Valley, because Stardew Valley is a lovely game that I have played several hundred hours and thoroughly enjoy. And I enjoyed my time playing it this year, both by myself and with you when we started um, a multiplayer farm for a while. But um, we'll get to other games on the list that can fit into this, but I tend to play a few games a lot. Um, That just kind of fits with with my lifestyle. And so... Sturdy Valley is a game that I have enjoyed for many years as something that I can play for a little while or play for a long time, kind of like what you were just saying about uh, Hunter. But because at this point, I don't feel like it's 
special, I guess is the word. Um, it kind of falls into this leftover category of something that I really enjoy, but doesn't stick out enough anymore to fall into other categories. But I wanted to give it a mention, so I picked Stardew Valley for my Time Sink award. And and later on, I'll call out other games that I have played for more than 50 hours. And there have been <laughs> one, two on the list already that I've talked about. Both War Thunder and Last Remnant have gotten 50 hours of gameplay out of me this year. War Thunder's got a shitload of hours. I play War Thunder a lot, like at work and stuff. But anyways, that's that's that. Um, Moving on. The Best Discovery Q Game of the Year Award. Now, we did very few Discovery Qs this year. Yeah. Discovery Q gets ejected from the show on the regular because by the time we get to it at the end, one of us, usually me, occasionally you, but usually me, is mm-hmm. so is, is too tired. And it's just like, well, it's, you know, 12 or 12.30. I got to be up at 6 a.m. for work. I'm tired. But we have done a few. And the game that stuck out to me the most this year as a, a best discovery Hugh game is Robocop Rogue City. The uh, Robocop game that re- released, I don't know, mid to maybe late last year. Um, that is a first person shooter Robocop game that also has RPG elements to it. And I have not played it, but everything I have seen and heard about this game is that it is exactly what it needs to be to be good. It feels like you're playing Robocop. It's got a lot of B-movie vibes to it. It, generally speaking, plays well, but doesn't try to do anything crazy with RoboCop. It's just a solid RoboCop experience. So, that is my best Discovery Hue game that showed up this year. And for me, I picked Tunic. Tunic is a uh, Zelda-like adventure game, with the twist being that you are finding essentially pages out of the game as in Tunic the game. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, finding pages of the manual that's teaching you about the world, about things that you could always do, but you didn't know because you didn't have the manual, right? It's kind of a throwback to the 90s style of, you know, read the fucking manual, right? Yeah. And it was just beautifully handled, you know? So, speaking of uh, things that weren't beautifully handled, (laughs) right? Yeah. Uh, And I should say, I played a little bit of Tunic on Game Pass, so I probably have a little bit more experience with it. Very uh, worth checking out, though. So, the Nailed It Award. For me, Starfield. Being bland. I had little faith going into it. And I was... Uh, I was surprised on uh, the start of it uh, that it, I was actually having fun with it, but boy, did it taper off! So I still feel like I, you know, kind of nailed the overall feel of it. Yeah, uh, I went into it very, very, very uh, uh, not expecting much, and I feel like I called it. <laughs> <laughs> You got what you expected, which was almost nothing. Uh, honestly, I expected it to be better than what it was. I did too. I, I was expect no, no. I was expecting there to be a glimmer of something, and once you get past the front loaded yo good parts, <laughs> there's nothing unless you're trying really, really hard. And the fact that modder groups are saying eh, it's not worth it is all I need to know. Yep. What about you? What did you, Dale? So mine was uh, Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard King. Now, we all called that this was going to happen. Um, That's not the part that I'm calling. Yeah, yeah, you are laser-focused on King. The part, yes. And at at the end of the deal, that was a huge part of it. They gave up so much, so much to get to keep King. And there have been... A number of uh, you know business report articles written about that. How that oh this was the thing like I mean not that the big thing but it's like oh the secret dark horse of the Activision Blizzard deal. It's like it's not a secret. Microsoft does not have a position in the mobile space, and this is a way for them to buy that. 
I felt so vindicated <laughs> by all of these like Business Insider articles talking about like, oh, the secret dark horse of the Activision Blizzard King deal is the king, and nobody caught it. And I was like, I caught it. I felt like a smug bastard. <laughs> I felt so good about that. Which is a I mean, weird I mean, thing I to think say, I, but... I mean, I think I supported you on it. You did. You did. But, like, when I brought it up that first time, you were like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. It could be. So, yeah, that's that's my thing. I don't have anything else to say about it other than, like, I, I feel very vindicated that I was right. I mean, the whole deal is good for them. It's not like any part. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there's stuff that we don't know about that might have been bad. But, you know, on the whole, it's not like the deal is bad or they're making, like, a stupid decision to buy it. I I think it sucks, but, you know. It is what it is, but yeah, but they one gave piece up a lot it, for to for it to work. They did, they did. They, it's it's a big gamble. Although, who knows? I, I think that they're big game. They they've been buying a lot of stuff. You know, talking about Embracer, like I know Microsoft is not Embracer Group. People tend to think of them as the good guys of gaming, but they are still a huge multinational corporation that only cares about whatever's going to make them money. And so they wouldn't go big on these brands if they didn't think that they were going to be able to recover their money out of them. And even though Starfield was, I don't want to say a flop from a business standpoint, we've had conversations about how it didn't do as well as, as they wanted it to and all of that jazz. And I think that's true, but it was a multi-billion dollar like purchase for, for Bethesda and they got shitloads of money back out of Starfield. I don't think Star like I don't I don't think Starfield paid off the entire uh acquisition, but I think that was a big chunk of it. I think Microsoft is gonna get their money out of Bethesda and I think they're gonna get their money out of Activision Blizzard King. I could be wrong, but it's just those even when they do bad, when they make bad games, when they have bad business practices, these companies are household names to anyone who's in the nerd sphere. And so Microsoft has got fuck you money. They can just weather any any storm that comes from it. Going back to another topic, they'll have some more layoffs. They'll, you know, whatever in order to to uh reduce expenditures and increase revenue streams. And from a financial standpoint, I think it'll pay off for them because they don't care about the human cost. They don't care about making a good product. They just want to make a product that sells. Mm-hmm. So, but I was right, goddammit. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of block two. We did go through that one faster, if you want to keep going, or if your cough is getting worse and you I feel th- like you want to stop. I think uh, it's probably a good time to stop because, you know, it is 1130 or coming up on it. So, uh, and we have some high, yeah, some more heavy lifters later on. That's true. That's true. Looking at, at well, I mean, the the really, the, the front half is loaded with more of the silly stuff. There's a couple of silly ones at the end, or more of the simple stuff, but the the back two blocks are the, the big ones, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with stopping. <clears throat> yeah, we're loading our lesson and not trying to force it all in one night. Yes. And maybe I'll actually be able to uh, yeah, shake the cough, right? Yeah. The one I'm most looking forward to, though, on this list is the Maybe I'm Old Award. <laughs> looking at both of ours, but especially yours. So there's a little suspense for next time. <laughs> the Maybe I'm Old Award. <laughs> and I, I don't want to spoil it. Don't tell me off recording. I, I want to hear it okay. live. But, yeah. All right. So, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with them socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. Uh, you could hear me hacking on the internet. Uh, obviously. Or, obviously. Uh, you could drop by Steam. Uh, Caffeine Rage over there. Uh, Gave me a CR if you wish to contact me on t- on Twitter. Yes, I'm still dead naming it. Fuck you. Uh, I don't really post anything anymore. But I still uh, keep an eye on it. And what about you? Well, I have been Jared. You can find me on Discord and Steam. Uh, our Discord and my Steam username are both the same, Jared4707. 
You can find me on Twitter or Blue Sky, if you have Blue Sky, at uh, JMA4707 on both of those. Um, I'm not super active on Twitter anymore. I mostly just lurk. And I... I, I Ooh, what do they call it on Blue Sky? It's not tweeting. Posting, I guess? I post on Blue Sky a little bit. It's mostly tabletop-related stuff and model painting, but... You know, if you have to have... Actually, if you want a Blue Sky invite code, I've got a couple right now. Um, I'm not sure how you get them. I don't know if it's random or if it has to do with how much you post. Or or what, but... Anyways, uh... Yeah, that's where you can find me. Where can they where can they contact us, Rage? Well, they can contact us, podcast at gmail.com with their letters, voicemails, game-related topics, tweet them to us, podcast. Or then you can drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at uh, vgopodcast.podbean.com, right there at the top. And if you just spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash vgopodcast. Our intro and outro music, I don't know what you're using this time around, so uh, it's Kevin McLeod something, maybe? Yeah, it's 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 all his stuff, the stuff that we've got. Because I've got the award theme music, and and he produced those as well. So yeah, uh, enjoy. And right, 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 right. And got a little out of sorts there at the end, as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. Yeah. Bye bye.